Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, your host, and the clinical microbiologist and the chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. For today's episode, we welcome Jeremy Novak from our product management team at Mayo Clinic Laboratories for a test and focus interview. Thank you for the introduction, uh, Dr. Pritt. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Liskey from Mayo Clinic's Department of Nephrology and Hypertension in Rochester, Minnesota, to discuss the importance of accurately understanding a patient's urinary ammonium level to determine causes of metabolic acidosis, as well as assessing and managing patients with calcium kidney stones. Welcome, Dr. Liskey, and thank you for joining us today. Would you mind starting off with telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yep. So I'm a, a nephrologist. So and I've been here at Mayo for a little over 20 years. Very interested in kidney stones, chronic kidney disease, anything kidney related. And then I spend about a third of my time in laboratory medicine. And I'm a medical director of the, the renal lab in the laboratory medicine. And we do all of the kidney related testing, things like urinalysis, urinary protein measures, and uh, all the things related to kidney stone diagnosis, um, the urine titration profile and the components of that. Perfect. Thank you for the background. Can you help us understand how knowing urinary ammonium levels helps you manage your patients on a day-to-day basis? It really comes back to a little bit of the physiology of how the kidney works. So in the kidney, when we get rid of acid, we generate you know, something on the order of 50 to 80 milliequivalents of acid a day. That can be higher or lower depending on your diet and other factors. And you have to get rid of that. And the kidney secretes hydrogen ions into the tubular fluid, but you also need to have a buffer to accept those hydrogen ions where you really can't get rid of that acid you need to. And there are certain buffers that are in the kidney that we call titratable acids, sulfates and phosphates, uh, the biggest ones. And that's not really regulated. There's a certain amount of that that's going to be in the urine and those will be used. But then the other major buffer that the kidney uses to get rid of its acid load is ammonia, and that's uh, generated in response to systemic acid base balance in the kidney. And um, that can be up or down regulated, and the amount of that can give you some insights into how well the kidneys really work in, and uh, dealing with any acid you know, load that you might have. ASN uh, Kidney News recently published an article entitled Nephrologist's Campaign to Replace Urine Anion Gap with Urine Ammonium Test that recommends nephrologists replace the commonly accepted urine anion gap method to estimate urinary ammonium levels with testing that directly measures urine ammonium. Can you help the audience understand the evolution of laboratory tests used to determine urinary ammonium levels and why nephrologists are now recommending using tests that directly measure urinary ammonium instead of the widely accepted uh, urinary ammonium gap uh, estimate? And so I think it's uh, a lot of this is sort of, as you alluded to, very historical in nature. Urine ammonia, to measure it historically was challenging. And in the, even though it's been known for, I, I would say, at least 50 years, you know, the, the role of ammonia and um, acid-base balance in the urine, it was very challenging to measure in a very manual kind of process. Other things that we tend to measure in urine, like Electrolyte sodium potassium chloride is very commonly available, whereas ammonia, it's sort of an esoteric test. Um, demand would not necessarily be real high. Laboratories weren't really focused on that. Urine electrolytes are pretty routinely measured for various reasons in the hospital or as an outpatient. And so there were papers 20, 30 years ago that suggested that 
When we interpret blood gases, we often look at the difference between anions and cations, and there's something called the anion gap that we use very commonly to infer what kind of an acidosis a patient might be having. Really extending this to the urine, and the idea would be that if there was this urine anion gap, it would be due to ammonia because we're not directly measuring that, that the major anions and cations in urine are going to be sodium potassium chloride. And then the difference between that um, would be basically filled by ammonia that we're not really accounting for. And so there were uh, a paper, I would have to say relatively small numbers, but it suggested that yes, um, this um, urine anion gap could be used to infer what your ammonia level was. People have used that, I wouldn't necessarily say widespread, but um, people do, do use that uh, mostly in the hospital um, when they're trying to assess patients and try to guess whether or not the urine ammonia production is um, appropriate or not for a given situation. But then more recently, there have been several, I would say, very large publications that showed that um, really the correlation between when you actually measure ammonia versus look at this anion gap calculation, any correlation, it's quite poor. So it's really not a very good surrogate for actually knowing what the ammonia is. The other thing to know is that now it's pretty easy to measure urine ammonia that tests have been developed. Um, blood ammonia is pretty commonly measured in labs for patients with liver disease. Basically, that assay can be adapted to measure the concentration you might find in urine. And so it's something that we have had offered for at least 10 years, probably more here in the renal lab. And I would say from a lab technology viewpoint, it's not that hard to do. It's really a matter of demand. You know, if people want it, then the laboratories certainly can offer it. And it's not a prohibitively expensive kind of test either. So it should provide a more accurate answer uh, that nephrologists could possibly be looking for. Is that true? Correct. Yep. I, I would say, you know, given what the, the, the current evidence, I would say if you're really trying to know what the urine ammonia is, you should try to measure it directly. Great. Right. I understand Mayo Clinic Laboratories has two different assays available for this direct measurement of a patient's urinary ammonium level. Can you share a little more information about these tests that we have available and how and when they should be used in clinical practice? Yep. So I'd say the larger volume that we do, especially with Mayo Clinic labs for the referral testing, is um, for 24-hour urines. And so this is a part of our urinary supersaturation profile, even though it's not directly entering the supersaturation calculations in the same kind of way. It's very important when you're seeing these patients to help understand what their acid-base disorder that might be contributing to their kidney stones are. So it's giving you a sense of, are they producing enough ammonia? And it also gives you some insights into their diet in other ways and how much protein, for example, they're eating. So it's a very helpful test on that particular profile. And then you can also order it on random. Quite often, this is something you might be doing more in the outpatient clinic. And really the situation on a random urine where we're looking at this is uh, when a patient has an acidosis, the question comes up, is it due to kidney dysfunction or a renal tubular acidosis? There are very specific causes of that. Or is the major thing you're trying to differentiate often is, is it a GI issue? So if you have a lot of diarrhea, losing a lot of bicarbonate that way, you can get a similar kind of uh, what we would call non-gap acidosis. And the urine ammonia, if you measure that in the, if it's a kidney problem, urine ammonia will be inappropriately low. And then if it's a GI problem, it'll be quite high because the kidney will be working fine and you'll be generating a lot of ammonia. So I think if you're seeing somebody and the, you're really trying to say, do they have renal tumor acidosis or not? And this does come up in the nephrology clinic quite a bit. Um, it's a very good test for that.
Finally, what advice do you have for nephrologists that might be converting from urine anion gap to direct ammonium testing? You know, I, I think it's um, the interpretation would be identically the same to what you would be um, looking at the anion gap, because basically with that anion gap, you're trying to say this is what the ammonia is that's equal to that gap. I think the interpretation is quite similar. The, the big difference is with the ammonia, you're actually getting the right number, and you may be just getting sort of garbage numbers when you look at that anion gap. So I think it would just be a more reliable way to get the same you know, piece of data that you were trying to get before. Thank you very much, Dr. Verluski. This has been really informative. We really appreciate you taking the time with us today. Thank you. Glad to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday. <laughs>